Hey friends, this is Dixon Kavanaugh, and welcome to another episode of Out Loud with Dixon, where we will explore wisdom, get creative, and better appreciate this fun, chaotic, and beautiful world that we live in. Today's episode is a book review of The 4-Hour Work Week, with short readings from the book and analysis and prompts interspersed throughout the episode. Let's get right to it and hone in on strong impact ideas. Applying what Tim Ferriss has to say about time management and efficiency, I want to turn our attention to the big ticket, high return items. Allow me to ask, do you have any role models, mentors that you look up to? Anyone that, whether you know them in real life or not, act as a model and guiding light for how you make decisions? I hope you do, and if not, this is a good time to get clear about it. How cool would it be to have a set time and place every day, or maybe every week, to connect with our role models, to share and learn from them? In thinking about what can best take my own life to the next level, and what can best help other people do the same, the big ticket item is creating a document with four to seven of our top role models' pictures on the page. Again, you don't have to know them personally. They act as an ideal. Simply getting clear about who our role models are and then putting this document together is a real source of power. In today's reading, we will hear how happiness can be bought with a bottle of wine, the terrifying future of the fat man in a red BMW, and the life-sucking consequences of bad friends. At every step of the way, we will return to the fun and easy process for making a mentorship group and how connecting with them on a regular basis can fuel our productivity, our mindset, and our spirit. So gather around, listen close, and join me as we journey into Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek. Quote, What do you want? A better question, first of all. Most people will never know what they want. I don't know what I want. If you ask me what I want to do in the next five months for language learning, on the other hand, I do know. It's a matter of specificity. What do you want is too imprecise to produce a meaningful and actionable answer. Forget about it. What are your goals is similarly fated for confusion and guesswork. To rephrase the question, we need to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Let's assume we have 10 goals and we achieve them. What is the desired outcome that makes all the effort worthwhile? The most common response is what I also would have suggested five years ago. Happiness. I no longer believe this is a good answer. Happiness can be bought with a bottle of wine and has become ambiguous through overuse. There is a more precise alternative that reflects what I believe the actual objective is. Bear with me. What is the opposite of happiness? Sadness? No. Just as love and hate are two sides of the same coin, so are happiness and sadness. Crying out of happiness is a perfect illustration of this. The opposite of love is indifference. And the opposite of happiness is, here's the clincher, boredom. Excitement is the more practical synonym for happiness, and it is precisely what you should strive to chase. It is the cure-all. When people suggest you follow your passion or your bliss, I propose that they are, in fact, referring to the same singular concept, excitement. This brings us full circle. The question you should be asking isn't, what do I want, or what are my goals, but what would excite me? End quote. Tim Ferriss is all about lifestyle design. He's like, look, life is too rich and too fun. 
to just let it drift by with meager goals and no sense of direction. We want to be ambitious and create things that excite us. One awesome tool and exercise in putting this newfound desire and energy into action is creating a mentorship homepage, a document with four to seven of our top role models, whether it be from books or sports, movies, or our own personal life. And in the picture of each mentor, we can have a single word that captures their personal message to us. For example, on the mentorship homepage that I've created, I have a picture of David Goggins with the word discipline and a picture of Tim Ferriss with the word creativity. The four-hour work week is telling us, practically shouting, hey, get out of bed, leave boring goals alone, and design a life that inspires you. Generate ideas and act on them. Throwing together a simple document of our role models on what I like to call the mentorship homepage is a great first step. And back to the book, quote, The Fat Man in the Red BMW Convertible. There have been several points in my life, among them just before I was fired from Trusan and just before I escaped the U.S. to avoid taking an Uzi into McDonald's, at which I saw my future as another fat man in a midlife crisis BMW. I simply looked at those who were 15-20 years ahead of me on the same track, whether a director of sales or an entrepreneur in the same industry, and it scared the hell out of me. It was such an acute phobia and such a perfect metaphor for the sum of all fears that it became a pattern interrupt between myself and fellow lifestyle designer and entrepreneur Douglas Price. Doug and I traveled parallel paths for nearly five years, facing the same challenges and self-doubt, and thus keeping a close psychological eye on each other. Our down period seemed to alternate, making us a good team. Whenever one of us began to set our sights lower, lose faith, or accept reality, The other would chime in via phone or email like an AA sponsor. Dude, are you turning into the fat man in the red BMW convertible? The prospect was terrifying enough that we always got our asses and priorities back on track immediately. The worst that could happen wasn't crashing and burning. It was accepting terminal boredom as a tolerable status quo. Remember, boredom is the enemy, not some abstract failure. End quote. The infamous fat man in the red BMW. Does it creep you out? Are you scared of being that person? I know I am. And good, because fear and pain can be used consciously to help paint the picture of what we want to avoid. But in understanding how human motivation and our brains work, it's important that we create a picture to move towards. An ideal, a colorful vision to strive for. In the reading, we also heard about Tim's friend, who would call him up and ask, Are you turning into the fat man? This really points to the real-world practical value of having a support network, a team of like-minded and intelligent people who help you achieve your goals. When we create a mentorship homepage, we build our all-star team. Our mentors are here to help and will chime in when we lose direction or lose hope. Their strength and compassion becomes our own. And back to the book. Quote, the key to having more time is doing less. And there are two paths to getting there, both of which should be used together. One, define a to-do list. And two, define a not-to-do list. In general terms, there are but two questions. What 20% of sources are causing 80% of my problems and unhappiness? 
What 20% of sources are resulting in 80% of my desired outcome and happiness? Some hypothetical cases to help get us started. 1. If you had a heart attack and had to work 2 hours per day, what would you do? Not 5 hours, not 4 hours, not 3. 2 hours. It's not where I want you to ultimately be, but it's a start. Besides, I can hear your brain bubbling already. That's ridiculous. Impossible. I know, I know. If I told you that you could survive for months, functioning quite well, on 4 hours of sleep per night, would you believe me? Probably not. Notwithstanding, millions of new mothers do it all the time. This exercise is not optional. The doctor has warned you, after triple bypass surgery, that if you don't cut down your work to 2 hours per day for the first 3 months post-op, you will die. How would you do it? Who are the 20% of people who produce 80% of your enjoyment and propel you forward? And which 20% cause 80% of your depression, anger, and second guessing? Identify positive friends versus time-consuming friends. Who is helping versus hurting you? And how do you increase your time with the former while decreasing or eliminating your time with the latter? Who is causing me stress disproportionate to the time I spend with them? What will happen if I simply stop interacting with these people? Fear setting helps here. When do I feel starved for time? What commitments, thoughts, and people can I eliminate to fix this problem? Exact numbers aren't needed to realize that we spend too much time with those who poison us with pessimism, sloth, and low expectations of themselves and the world. It is often the case that you have to fire certain friends or retire from particular social circles to have the life you want. This isn't being mean, it is being practical. Poisonous people do not deserve your time. To think otherwise is masochistic. End quote. The purpose of the heart attack prompt is twofold. It makes us focus our attention on the high yield tasks and eliminate small yield tasks, which are essentially distractions. Also, it can have the added benefit of reminding us of our own mortality and help us reprioritize what really matters, namely our health, our family, and our mission. And then there is this part about malignant, quote unquote, friends. If someone is consistently bringing you down, stressing you out, or making you angry, then they aren't your friend. It's like they say, misery loves company. Sure, everyone has an off day, but still others are convinced that a pessimistic and argumentative attitude is how the world works. Let these people go, or better yet, cut them out like a tumor. Lovingly, of course. The power of a mentorship homepage is that our role models come to feed our best qualities, like confidence and mindfulness and charisma. Also, by virtue of their own lives and actions, they give us a blueprint for time management. How do our mentors spend their time? How would they go about cutting away excess and distractions? What do they value? What type of people and friends would they surround themselves with? It's funny. For years now, I've had my own mentors, in the form of books, tell me the importance of role models. But it wasn't until I literally saw, with my eyes, a mentorship homepage that I realized I needed to make one. A person close in my life had made one, and I realized, damn, that's cool. I got excited and got clear about who I wanted on my page, and it was fun to make, and it's fun when I look at it every morning with my coffee. So, if you want to, let me be that friend who motivates you to create your own document 
of Role Models, your own mentorship homepage. And with that, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Please leave a review, share it with a friend, and if you're new, check out our other episodes from great authors. If you aren't sure who to have as a role model, the books provided on Out Loud with Dixon are a great place to start. And above all else, remember, live with presence, confidence, and love. Thank you.